1: Everyone. Welcome to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the 16th of May, 2019, and, well, half of the hosts of uh, regular hosts of Webcology are here. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and we're joined this week by Christine Shackinger from Sites Without Walls in Las Vegas, because, uh, well, Dave's not here, man. Uh, Dave is in, um, is sunning himself um, through, the, uh, through the glass of a to the glass of a, margar- of a margarita glass um, in Mexico, um, which is good for Dave. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, Christine, thank you so much for jumping into the uh, co-host chair. We have a uh, just a full show. We're f- mostly full of news, but interestingly, at the at the um, beginning of the the, the the third third segment of the show. We have uh, we got a special guest, a new Webmaster Radio Show host, Brian Massey of Conversion Science, he's taking over the Landing Page Optimization Show, and he's uh, he's going to be joining us in the last bit of the show. Uh, Christine, welcome welcome back to Webcology.
2: Thank you for having me. It's always fun to be here.
1: Oh, it's always great having you here. And we have a uh, like like a full news day. We've been we've been throwing news stories at each other for the last. Uh, Last 24 hours, um, I have a full way way more than we're actually going to be able to get to in uh, in the show. So we might have to actually mash some news stories together. And you know, naturally, this being an SEO show, a lot of it's about Google. Um, Google had their I/O conference um, last week. Uh, 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 Google has um, released a series of videos with uh, Martin Split the um, uh, myth bu- SEO myth busting videos. We're going to be talking about that. And um Google's made some major changes to um to its ad platform um, uh, changes that are going to directly affect um, both advertisers and SEOs. But I think we should start with um with more a, a more of a cryptic question, one that actually you asked earlier in Twitter today, Christine. Um, has hashtag Google gone too far now you, you gave a preamble to to this question um why did, wh- wh- why were you asking if Google's gone too far?
2: Well, after Google I.O. this week, which we'll talk about, uh, there's changes to things that Google will be displaying in the search results that even further push the 10 blue links way down the page. (laughs) Um, Since they're using scraped content for all this, and some of this will start to, if it hasn't already, steal the click from the actual site so that the user doesn't leave Google, uh, the question becomes when does the relationship no longer become beneficial, especially as you move into voice. And um, that people on the back channels, not so much on Twitter, I've noticed, <laughs> are having a very adverse reaction to, uh, of course, people in the industry, uh, to the amount of space Google's taking. And as a user, I actually find a lot of these so-called helpful features completely non-helpful. So Google's neglected search for answers, and I find that it's becoming less and less useful as a tool.
1: Okay, so is, there's a lot to unpack there, but if I get the gist of your question, Google's taking opportunity away from webmasters by answering questions for uh, for users before the user even has a chance to click on the on the link to get a little bit of context for the answer that they're being given, and you know while the webmasters is supplying all this content, Google's giving away all the answers. They're the ones getting the the clicks and obviously the attendant the attendant ad revenue, um, and so that's that's that's. The basis of the question have they have they gone too far
2: yeah that and uh it's also shown in a study that Moz published this week it wasn't a Moz study and i didn't have to look up the name but that people actually uh majority wise still prefer the 10 blue links and don't really trust all these features so the question is are who are they really doing it for well Um, that's something uh, this is something that's always
1: confused me i mean like You'd think that the organic SEO world would have just withered and died, blown away, be completely useless, but it's still driving more traffic than any other channel that I see in analytics. And
2: we're also employed. It's true, but there is a, there is an impression. I just know this is just um, anecdotal from a billion dollar company I was working with that Google's becoming kind of a useless channel. Not true and not what I informed the higher ups about, but Um, Their perception is that with all this stuff there, that uh, organics kind of useless and ads are even getting lost. So why bother? So they launched two new brands using influencer marketing and not using Google at all. No consideration. So I think that Google could wind up with this, wind up back biting, biting the hand that feeds them is going to have the hand biting back. Well,
1: one of the saying in radio is perception is reality. It's, It's our job to, uh, create these sort of like uh, word paintings for, for, for people to, to unpack information. And we we, we we create perceptions. People start to believe in that. This is you know, how news is made. So it's only a matter of time. If, if, if people really believe Google to be a useless tool or a less useful tool, that, that that's coming from their personal use, right? But these are people making advertising decisions. So yeah, that's- right.
2: And for a billion dollar company. So we're not it's talking a big like a tail right? Yeah. It's, it's it's not a sorry I didn't mean to interrupt there. Um, oh, it's it's not a small amount of money that this company spends. It was at one point one of the largest ad spenders on the internet. So the fact that they just launched two new brands with no regard for Google whatsoever. C level executives I have found because I do a lot of auditing and recovery, so I go from company to company, that stuff tends to get around among C level execs, right or not? Everyone remembers when every new site suddenly became infinite scroll, right? That was a bunch of C-level people talking, telling each other that was the thing to do, not that it was a good thing for those sites. And notice most of it's gone now because it didn't turn out to be a good thing for those sites. So so the fact is that if a C-level executive has turned to influencer marketing on a billion-dollar company, ignoring Google because they perceive, because of all that stuff Google's put there, that Google's becoming irrelevant, that's going to travel if it works. And so, you know, sometimes I think Google thinks I'm just being critical of Google. I'm not. I'm also saying this for Google's benefit. I hear things on the back channels. They don't. And I'm telling them if they don't get a hold of this, that they're going to wind up losing in the long run. Because if the influencer marketing works as well as Google could have worked, and that gets around to other billion-dollar e-commerce companies, guess where their ad spends are going to go?
1: Indeed, Um, although I I might, it's probably worth noting this is a time when influencer marketing itself is becoming under increasing scrutiny and ridicule. Um, (laughs) But it is a real channel in an unreal sort of way. Um, To flesh out some of the stuff we're talking about about Google, um, in the last week, Google's um, introduced a number of new uh, new ad features two of which will directly impact the way uh, search result pages are are formulated, both on desktop and on mobile, but particularly in the mobile environment. Um, Google has added, again, these two new features. One of them is called Discover Ads. You remember Google's Discover program where they're pushing content to you rather than, than having you look for it yourself?
2: Yeah, they claim to have 800 million users, but I haven't even ever run across it. So, well, <laughs> I don't know see. anybody that uses it, so uh, I'm I don't know how accurate that is, but
1: you're likely to see it a lot more often because Google has added a Discover feed on uh, on on mobile search. Gotcha. So you're likely to have advertisements pushed on you based on well, based on your search history with the interests you've shown Google over time um, you're likely to have a uh, (laughs) mobile-sized or mobile window-sized ad fed to you that you'll have to scroll past to get to your search box
2: Because users love that Don't they though? I mean, How (laughs) would Google feel about that if they saw that on somebody else's page? I think they have an algorithm specifically that penalizes that I could be totally wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not.
1: <laughs> you know, back in the old days of Matt Cutts, somebody would have some splaining to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the splaining we get isn't much splaining anymore.
1: <laughs> well, we're going to get to that. Danny, Danny and Publishers Fears, that's going to be a fun story for the second second part of the show.
2: <laughs> I will say real quickly, though, I think that Google – this is just personal thought, should have created an answers product and a search product. The problem for me, who doesn't really need 90% of what they throw in the answers area, has no need for a discover feed because I already have Facebook for that. Um, it needs to just be able to search and find things. And search has become so neglected that the irrelevancy levels are staggeringly high. And I usually wind up going and asking friends before I even go to Facebook or Google now because what I search usually doesn't come up with a relevant result.
1: Well, search is the lost leader of, uh, like organic search is the lost leader of of Google of Bing, of um, pretty much any search company in in the past, or probably in the future. And yeah, it's not the it's not the revenue generator, but it's what brings the eyeballs into the store.
2: Well, what I'm saying is, it's not doing that well anymore either. Oh, they're indeed, so, they're so focused on the answers part, like. For putting stuff before, query list queries and answers before you need them and all these little blocks of content that I just have to scroll past to get to what I need, um, they would have done better to have two products. Plus, I would have given them two places to put ads. Well, so- there's
1: another speaking of another place to put <laughs> ads and new products, um, gallery ads is the, is the other advertising feature that, that Google has um, introduced. And that will allow them to put up to eight different uh, ads, much like um on a uh, uh like a WordPress on a stitcher. Those those damn things. Um so you'll have to scroll you'll be able to scroll through these eight ads. Now, all of this serves to push organic down below the fold. Um it, and SEOs flipping, just flipping about this. Um, oh. as they should be, I would think.
2: Well, yeah, especially because Google's using all their content to to rank. So, adding more ads that push them even farther down, while Google puts in features that show up at the top, kind of well, could get people mad. And and I do think that Google could push it to a point where some companies are like, just the heck with Google. I really well, do.
1: hypocrisy. I mean, like this is this is Earth 2019. So yeah, we put up with like a great deal of hypocrisy just looking around in our daily lives. But like Google. Supposed to be the smartest kids in the room. Um, you're creating a horrible user experience, and you're trying to eat our lunch. Um, and you're eating yeah. lunches.
2: They're they're creating. They're playing checkers now instead of chess. They used to be a company that played 3D chess. Now they're just playing checkers. They're answering to the street and the bottom line, trying to get as many clicks on ads. That's really all they focus on now. And if I did it, if they were my client site, doing what they do. Yeah, the first thing we would do is what? Remove all the clutter because people can't get to what they really want. And I don't think that it's necessary that users are driving this. A lot of times I think there's a perception that users are driving these changes, and I don't think it is. I think Google's uh, decided this years ago, and this is the direction they're going, despite what is said. I know I haven't had a chance to look into it, so you might know more than I do, but I do know there was a flattening of ad revenue this last quarter. So, question is, is this really helping them? And I don't think it is because, as again, that study that Moz posted shows that people still prefer the blue links. And for me, I don't need four video ads uh, who also asked a knowledge box and a one box to try to get to an answer to a (laughs) query. I want a link. (laughs) I don't care about any of that stuff except for very specific searches where I probably wouldn't have clicked through anyway.
1: Well, I think the last word on this we're going to give to Rand Fishkin. You mentioned Moz a couple of times, so the the founder of Moz. Um, and Rand wrote in a tweet, anyone remember how Google became the homepage for so many browsers? As I recall, a big reason was it wasn't filled with ads like Yahoo. Yeah. Uh, it's, we've always fed like for years, we've always been saying, this is Google's game to lose. Uh, I really, really, really hope that... Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, <laughs> seriously.
2: I, I call it a business tsunami. While well, you're riding on top and the wave looks good underneath you, it's piling a whole bunch of garbage, mm-hmm. a wave underneath that's rolling underneath. And at one point it just comes out and crushes you. And Google's building that wave underneath the surface right now because of how greedy it's being and how aggressive it's being and how much it's not being a beneficial relationship for publishers. And the more they push these things that create a less and less beneficial relationship with customers don't even get into voice search. How that has no benefit for most customers, um, you know. They're gonna. I think they could find themselves on the wrong end. All they need is a competitor. If Bing was suddenly to step up its game and show up with you know a really strong presence, a lot of this would go away auto- automatically because Google knew would know it can't compete well, I mean, with having think- this much junk. Uh, Here's
1: the thing, I'm I'm, Christina. Please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I I would suggest that Bing, in fact, is stepping up its game. Um, It's reaching out to the webmaster community a lot more. It's uh, trying to build and innovate new tools. Um, Bing Webmaster Tools is arguably a better uh, experience than Google Webmaster or Google Search Console is. Um, I
2: talk, I don't, yeah, yeah. yeah. Center either. <laughs> and hey, we, we all know Bing actually converts better than Google. It just doesn't have the traffic of Google. Well,
1: indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So
2: um, I do think you're right because I've been to two small conferences, not big ones, in the last six months where Bing showed up with high value people, you know, people with names who showed up yeah. to the conference to explain what Bing was doing and to specifically say, we're not getting rid of SEO. We need SEOs. We want SEOs to help us.
1: Yep. Okay. So and
2: that's a definite message that they were sending out. And the, the curiosity is why. So I agree with you. They also have a big accessibility push among all their projects. Yep. I think they're getting ready to make a big move. The question is, will it be a big move in search or just in general? But we'll see.
1: It's funny and kind of weird when you see Microsoft as the little guy, huh?
2: Well, they're a little guy with search, but they're I think they're kicking it everywhere else. So well- <laughs>
1: it kind of helps if you own the operating system
2: <laughs> it kind of does We've and as much as one, I love my Mac people still aren't you know majority Mac users or majority PC
1: we got time for one quick story for we got to go to break I we got. I want to make sure that we give Brian like some actual real time on the air um, <laughs> he gets real time on the air okay. Facebook is moving towards uh, adopting a much stronger privacy stance it's um, half being half being pushed there um, and you know I think Legitimately, I think they're kind of embarrassed about what they've become. Um, so uh, Facebook is uh, basically going to clean up its act around privacy, or the FTC is going to do it for them. That, that's, that's where we're at right now. And I, I don't know if uh, this version of the FTC is going to take a great deal of action, but it's only a matter of time, be it one year or five years. So Facebook looks to be trying to, I guess, chart its own course, and it's going to be introducing a clear history tool, which will allow you, me, and every other Facebook user to basically erase our tracks. Um, imagine imagine if you did a massive uh, clear of your cookie cache, and suddenly nobody knew where you'd been anymore, so they weren't sure what ads to target or retarget to you. That's what's about to happen in Facebook massive, massive uh, shift in the um, advertising landscape.
2: It is. I mean, I I feel sad for the smaller companies who I've actually used targeted ads to help, you know, where they can spend $50 and really make a significant amount of traffic come to their pages. But um, I do agree it's about time they've abused users' data, you know, sold users' data, allowed people who shouldn't have users' data to have it. Uh, It will only erase your tracks outside of Facebook, um, until you log in again, then it starts tracking again. Uh, oh, so, it,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Like you're you're not erasing your history, you're just yeah. erasing what, what 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 they see.
2: Yeah, well, and also most people might not know that Facebook tracks you everywhere you go when you're logged into Facebook. So it's gonna erase that data, but not data internally inside Facebook. So mm-hmm. um, but it will be much harder harder to target. Some people like the targeting because, you know, they like getting the ads. I don't click on enough ads to care about the targeting. I'm more concerned about the privacy factor. So that'll be the determination. The other question is how available do they make this clear your history? Like, is it going to be buried under five submenus in your account somewhere or is it going to be, like, prominent? Yeah, indeed. How, how
1: many people <laughs> will actually do it?
2: Or but even know it a, exists. <laughs> you
1: know, as somebody who, who, who helps uh, – Advertisers decide where to focus their ad dollars. Um, does, this, does this change your ideas around Facebook?
2: Have to see how it works because I'm sure there's other things they can use from the user information on Facebook since they access everything, including mm-hmm. your messaging, um, to de- make determinations. It'll just be harder for them, but with machine learning, they might be able to fill in a lot of blanks. It works. Um, so it, it depends. It depends on what how it works after they do this. Also, again, how many people even are aware they can do it? I don't think it'll be unless they unless because of the reason you mentioned they're afraid of uh, legislation that they make it really prominent. Uh, I don't know that most people even be aware that it exists. Well, we're gonna have to take a break in a second, but I want I want to hold on
1: to this topic and bring it back a couple segments from now when Brian's on because um, I bet you he's got something to say about this, uh, especially <laughs> the landing page game, eh?
2: Yeah, definitely okay
1: so friends you are listening we, got- we have to take a break we have to do some commercials you're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm it is the 16th of May 2019 this is Jim Hedger from Digital Media, Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls stick around we got more news coming up and then we're going to have Brian Massey coming up after the messages that are coming up after these messages it. sit tight and don't move Webcology we'll be back after this short break
0: What if you had access to analytics from the most visited sites on the web? Think about real-time sales and signups from Amazon and Netflix, stats and engagement from Slack and HubSpot, all on one patented platform. That's Nacho Analytics. Nacho's perfect for details on your product design and development, instant for influencer info, and fantastic for real-time financial figures. Level the playing field today for your business with Nacho. What are you doing? All this nacho talk got me hungry. Level the playing field today for your business with nachoanalytics.com. Seriously? Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and
3: scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Rankings let top SEOs give you peace of mind. Topseos.com, the independent authority on search vendors.
0: Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Find our shows on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you download your podcasts. Pick out some new favorite podcasts. Now Commercials off
1: now back to webcology only on webmasterradio.fm. You know, the host, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone. Welcome back to webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 16th of May, 2019. This is Jim Hedger from News Lawways Media. And joining us for our entire show, if she'll, if she'll stick around with us, is and Shackender from Sites Without Walls. Um, uh, Brian is coming up. Brian Massey is coming up in our next segment, just in case I was a little less clear than I should have been. Um, so Christine, you ready for another story?
2: I am ready. Okay. Um, (laughs) did you, uh, you, we've
1: been talking about the, um, uh, Martin splits, um, SEO, Mythbuster uh, uh, series. And, um, the first one, the first one aired, uh, recently, um, just the other day. And, um, well, they didn't actually bust any myths. No. <laughs> Except one. They did sort of, kind of bust one myth um, and that myth is there's a lot of ranking factors. Apparently there's only three.
2: <laughs>
1: okay, you know what? Now, let, me, let, let me restart that. I'm mischaracterizing on purpose, trying to be funny. There's, there is actually hundreds of ranking factors.
2: Yes, there's supposedly 200 main ones, but Matt at one point said 500. So,
1: But three of them are real important. The other one yeah. you know, don't worry about the other ones, just yeah,
2: except except one wasn't even a ranking factor,
1: no, okay, so <laughs> let's try to go through this slowly and not giggle too much, <laughs> but a little bit of giggling is going to be necessary, okay, okay, so martin Martin talks about three major factors that Google looks at. These are not the only factors, and you need to concentrate on 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 the whole panoply of stuff. Please don't think that this is the only thing you have to do a website can be sick for any number of reasons. But when you're concentrating on, on um, SEO on a normal day, when you're making your decisions, your priorities, figuring out what you need to do or look at for your client sites, content, believe it or not, metadata and um, overall performance. Now these are being called factors. We don't know if they're ranking factors or if they're making Google feel real good about your existence factors.
2: He did say ranking factor on the metas. He clarified after.
1: Okay, well, on metas, uh, ranking factor. okay, but performance. I mean, like time on site and all that sort of stuff, like is
2: because I don't know if Google actually really looks at that. But they do. Well, well, let's look at a couple of things on this video. First, it's not myth-busting. So no. I don't know why it was called that. It's SEO 101, 101, 101, like the most 101 it could be for developers. I do Not know to a dev- be
1: confused with SEO 101.
2: Right. But it's for developers. So I don't know a developer ever in my history that didn't put in a meta description or title tag. Now, getting them filled out properly, that's a whole different thing. But I don't know any that don't know they need to be there. Um, oh,
1: I do. Oh, my goodness. I
2: really? Oh, that didn't put in a title tag? The coding, not the tag itself, the coding.
1: As far as they're concerned, WordPress does it for them, right?
2: Well, sites I work on like a large enterprise aren't usually on WordPress, but they they know to put in title and description. So the thing is that Google now renders HTML and then comes back and renders your page. So you want to make sure metas, canonicals, anything in the the HTML code needs to be pushed with the raw HTML and not the render side if it's doing client-side rendering. But that's not what this video is talking about. It's talking about optimizing content in titles and metas, which I've had a big debate on Twitter today. Why are we talking about that? And then saying it's unimportant to talk about links because developers don't do links. Well, developers don't do titles or metas either.
1: No space open. Um, Well, again, (laughs) I think this this, – Talk, how to say this? We have to go back to the uh, intent of these videos to begin with, and there's 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 a number of people in the uh, SEO community that have a um, serious reason to believe that Google is trying to um, eliminate them.
2: Yeah, make us seem unnecessary. I would definitely. I've I've said that for a while now.
1: No, I I I don't want to sound like um uh, like 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 um. Randy Quaid, I'm not talking about SEO whackers or anything, but um, (laughs) uh, Google is clearly trying to uh, uh, make make optimization of pages, documents, or files for their engine appear much easier than I think many of our experiences would suggest it really is.
2: Yes, and that we're not necessarily relevant. That um, sure, you could just teach SEO to developers; they have nothing else to do. So, so
1: when talking about these videos, um, the audience would probably do well for itself to understand that this is at least where we're coming from when we're when we're thinking about these videos, because um, yeah, Google does appear to be trying to. Gently or not so gently, muscle SEOs out of um, out of the out of the space um, by by talking directly to developers. Yeah. So content developers again. If I was a developer, I'd say I don't make content. I make a space for content. The uh, the client puts the content in. But wouldn't you? If you are a developer, wouldn't you be saying that?
2: Well, yeah. The thing is, I've had this big debate on Twitter today, and I'm not had a lot of people. I don't think get what I'm trying to say is that this video and they maybe didn't watch the video isn't talking about how a developer can best implement a title or meta tag like length and making sure it's in the right HTML and that stuff. It's talking about optimizing content, optimizing titles, optimizing descriptions. First, developers don't have time for that, nor do they want to be doing that, nor should they be doing that. They don't have an overall understanding of the content on the site on the best way to optimize a title tag or the content on a page. Those should be the content developers or the SEO guiding the content developers. But the idea that this somehow should become the responsibility of a web developer, as a web developer, I'd be a little irked. I'm no, already they're... over-tasked and under-resourced and you want me to do what? More you... work?
1: One, one of my hardest challenges when I'm acting as the role of a, of a web developer is getting the damn content off the client.
2: <laughs> <That too.
1: laughs> I, I, I know a heck of a lot of, about blue widgets, but that's only because I've had to study them in the course of, of my job. You sure. actually manufacture or sell them, you know? True.
2: true. Yeah, the client's the best to help you write the content, then you just optimize it. But when it comes to this video and the idea that they're pushing this idea of training developers to think like SEOs because it's going to, quote, help us. And all these documentations, you'll notice the SEO is left out of the conversation. So I don't buy this. It's meant to help bridge divides between SEOs and developers. Even during Google I.O., the videos that should be for SEOs were marketed to developers. I do really think from all of the last two years that they've been saying, can't you can't ever fix when they do an update? That's always their response. Nothing to fix, um, you know. Now developers need to know SEO. Blah blah blah. All the different things. There's lots of different things indicate that they're trying to make SEO seem irrelevant because it would be much easier for them not to have to deal with us or support us. Is my feeling.
1: Beautiful. So. Here's one that just came up that kind of annoys me. It's the second factor that 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 Martin uh, that Martin indicated. And and and, and today I want to make I do want to make something clear. I've never met Martin Split, but I've watched I've watched his videos and um, I, I like him. I like the guy.
2: Oh yeah, this isn't anything about Martin. And I tried to make that clear when I tweeted today that this was not personal. And I don't think this is exclusively him. I think it's an internal message Google is trying to push. That SEOs are not relevant, and they're trying to have him reach out to developers. But so, here's the next SEOs thing that annoyed me. Just if, if I can just throw this in here, and I'm, I'm, yeah, please. You, I'm going please, I'm going sorry. To yeah, a go rip ahead. On in just a second.
1: Um, he describes something that I think is a content area as technical, and that's metadata and uh, uh, and and the correct titles for correct titles for um, every page in in in, in a website. Um, For some reason, I never really considered that technical SEO. That seems like more like content SEO. And it annoys me that he suggests that this is technical SEO because I'm telling you, there are some technical SEOs out there who are like, you know, rewriting Java, who are um, working in Python, who are like doing some serious, serious (laughs) high-level widgetry that is actually technical SEO. Ask David Harry. Um, or me, Horn. Ask <laughs> that exactly clique what technical SEO is all about. Or,
2: or me, I'm a technical or, SEO.
1: <laughs> or, or or Christine Jackinger. Like, I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. Meta your, not technical ahead. SEO.
2: No, it's it's not. Truth is, if I go into a company and there's a content team, the content team will be writing the meta descriptions after I give them the guidance on how to do that. Yes. And it's not a ranking factor. It's for click rates but it's so the my problem with these isn't martin i think martin's a fine guy and he's very knowledgeable and he's he's very nice um it's that i'm sure behind martin is a big push from google corporate or google whoever internally on how this should be marketed and they're marketing things in the context that's untrue And the problem I have with this, some people are like, yeah, reach out to developers, that's awesome. No, I have a problem with it because Google is pushing to developers what it wants it to think matters, not what matters. And they want to get a new group of people who don't know anything so they can make them do SEO the way they want them to do it, like not mentioning links in this entire article as being important to your website, (laughs) right? So SEO's every day. I don't know about you but I'm sure you do the same thing. Every day I spend at least an hour a day reading what's new, what's changed, what's up to date. I have to go back to developers say Google changes Google changed that. I have to go to content team and tell them what to do. I have to go to the CEO and explain what they need to do. You know, there is a change every day, multiple times a day on a body of knowledge I've built over 15 years. The idea that you can just reach out to some developers with a few videos and suddenly they should know SEO well enough that I now have to argue with them, what has to be done is kind of an issue.
1: Oh, you know what? I didn't even think about that. But yeah, thanks, Google. You just added like two hours to like that meeting. Thanks, thanks, guys.
2: Exactly, right? Because at least now, if I can show that, like when, let's just say, pushing the canonical in the raw HTML, that was a debate where I was last embedded. Um, I got the Google I.O. video from last year that showed that they changed how they do rendering and HTML, and then I got them an article, and then I showed them in the code how it worked. Boom, all done. What if Google had put out a video like this, which is massively uninformative and a bit wrong, and now I've got to argue with them on how to do this thing because they have five minutes of knowledge and I have 15 years of knowledge, and I know what works and what doesn't in the actual engine as opposed to what Google wants them to do.
1: Worse yet, three years from now when this, when this video is old, but it's, but it's how they've been informed and it's the yes. only thing they know.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so the problem I have with this is you have a bunch of people with no knowledge getting somewhat incorrect knowledge with nobody to go ask because most of the most important knowledge in SEO is transferred on the back channels. With the big things that we know, you won't see articles written about it. You will find it in private groups in private conversations and community groups you know like um, I'm, name is slipping me right now very big forum webmaster is a webmaster forum webmaster world yes thank you um, that's where a lot of real information gets transferred a developer would have none of that nor do they have time in the United States I don't know about every other country but developers are all development teams are not given enough money they're always at least two developers short and they're always 110% utilized. Now try telling that person, he's supposed to go decipher what goes into a title tag or content or, you Mm -hmm. know, they just, when I go to them, they're like, we don't care about all this if they already bought into it, just tell us how to do it. We don't have time.
1: Okay, the last SEO factor, and again, factor you don't see. Sorry, I went on. (laughs) No, no, no worries, the last SEO factor is performance. Um. Yeah, that could mean a whole bunch of different things. So, I'm um, and, and we only got a couple minutes because we really want to make sure that uh uh, 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 that Brian has uh some some airtime. Um. <laughs> uh, uh. So, performance could be speed. Performance can be um uh uh usability. Performance can be um. I mean, like, what what is performance exactly? Apparently, it's a factor. Um. And Martin seems to be interpreting performance as speed, at least in his answer. But yeah. I'm not sure that's exactly what he meant.
2: Well, so. he also says it doesn't necessarily matter, which I can tell you from working on a lot of recoveries, it does matter. Oh, well, so, speed, matters.
1: speed absolutely matters. But again,
2: no, he says, have,
1: he says it doesn't necessarily matter. Be- well, you might have a slower site rank better than a faster site. But that would be because a bunch of other factors are coming into play, and Google's made the decision to put this, exactly yeah. to put site B over site A, even though site A is faster. Site B just happened to, I guess, have better content and um, really good meta tags.
2: <laughs> Great so, descriptions; they were awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, like I said, we actually we did that with a minim- with a minimal amount of giggling.
2: <laughs> okay. I just saved it for the end.
1: I'm gonna want to take another break right about now. I don't want to jump into another subject as much as I want to jump into another subject, but we 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 have Brian Massey coming up, and um, Brian's Brian's a really neat guy. I want to give him a lot of time. Um, so I think this is an opportune time to uh, to take another break. So on behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger, Always Media. You are listening to Web to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm on the 16th of May, 2019. Stick around. We got Brian Massey coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break.
3: It passes before it's noticed A slight rising of the eyebrows A widening of the eyes It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed But not without leaving its mark Someone found what they're looking for Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose.
0: The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries into the 2019 International Web Award Competition. Sign up now at www.webaward.org. Web Award winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Award site. And winners go to, well... You'll have to see for yourself. You can't win if you don't enter. Deadline for entries is May 31st, 2019. Go to webaward.org and sign up today. All right, guys. I want you to come up with an ad for a patented platform that lets you see any company's analytics accounts. I'm talking Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, etc. You know, see their sales and stats in real time. It's called Nacho Analytics. Tim? Nacho, regular analytics company. Charlotte.
1: You can tap into analytics of major companies that don't want you to know how
0: they're performing. Right. And you can also check the traffic and engagement for any influencer on any platform across all platforms. Tim. (laughs) Okay. Let us help you grow your business. Bailey.
2: So it helps you jump ahead in the concept and development stages so you can build your product better and ahead of schedule.
0: Absolutely. Nacho Analytics lets you see anyone's analytics in real time. Tim. You'll be wondering, where has this company been my whole life? Tim! Sorry.
1: Sales, subscribers, and stats all in one place, and the data is totally anonymous.
0: Holy guacamole, that's good stuff. Ah, now you have me making puns.
3: Let Nacho Analytics level the playing field. What will you do when you can lift the curtain
0: on the internet? NachoAnalytics.com
3: Welcome to the Webmaster Institute for Financial Advancement, Webmasterradio.fm. It's like radio with a PhD. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere.
1: Off. Now
0: back to WebCology only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Webmaster to WebCology on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Ways Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. Um, Dave's not here; he's on vacation this week. But uh, Christine and I are joined in this in this last segment by Brian Massey of Conversion Science, the uh the new host of uh, the landing page optimization show here on Webmaster Radio. Brian, welcome to Webcology. I'm glad to be here. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. It's uh, it's good to have you here. Uh, unfortunately, um listeners can't see Brian. He is in his patented lab coat. <laughs> <laughs> um, always so, so, you're taking over Tim Ash's old show, uh, Landing Page Optimization. Congratulations, man. I am,
3: I am. Tim is an old friend, and um, I thought he did a great job. I was on LPO as his guest several times, I think twice, and um, thought, well, let's keep it going. It's uh, It's been a while since a new uh, episode was posted, and it's important, important stuff. Well, what do you want to do with the show? Well... Uh, we are really focused on, so things have changed, uh, I think really over the last 24 months, I think more marketers are getting comfortable with the idea that they're going to have to become data, um, data magicians, data they have to be comfortable with it at some point. We like to think that we're turning marketers into scientists. And I think we're all already pretty much wired for that, even if we don't like math and that sort of thing. So with the show, I am going to expose the listeners to people who are using data in their business, what's working, what's not working. Uh, I'm going to spend a a fair amount of time talking to marketers who are getting up to speed on uh, the amazing tools that we have, the amazing insights that we have, and also the culture change because we can't do it alone. Um, And inevitably, when you start bringing these amazing insights into the organization, everybody's going to start poking their heads above the cubicles and wondering what's going on over there.
1: Well, you you mentioned changes in the last couple of years. What are the the most momentous changes that that, that have happened?
3: Well, so I run a conversion optimization agency, and I think what we experienced over the last, again, was it 24 months, 18 months, is a shift from uh, early adopters into more of the mainstream market. And so the things in my business that I think are are symbolic of that are, uh, number one, uh, stretching out of sales cycles and getting involved in more of the budgeting cycles. Whereas prior to that, the early adopters were usually change agents inside their company. And they were bringing us in, sometimes sneaking us in um, until we got some results that they could then take and um, start to... um, Allow the data and the science to infiltrate the rest of the organization, so I feel pretty good about this, except of course the longer sales cycle, but uh, we 're well equipped to do that um, and the tools have gotten to a point where it 's so easy so they 're getting easier to use they're getting less expensive, and they 're giving us more information um, so I can sitting at my desk analyze, test, user test, almost any question I have in marketing without leaving my laptop or my desktop. And this is fantastic. So what this means is that more marketers are starting to pick these things up and look at a little heat map of their websites before they start making assumptions about what they should change. Um, more of them are in Google Analytics, which by my estimate has over 90% um, uh, uh application on, on websites, um, Adobe Analytics, Google analytics being the most popular of those. Um, and they're starting to light up their stacks. So they're starting to, uh, ask questions, uh, like, well, we just sent you a bunch of leads six months ago, uh, sales. What actually happened to those? And are we increasing or decreasing your close ratio? They're starting to ask these questions. And since we have the data in place, it's just going to be, it's going to be a festival. It's a party.
1: That data, as we, we were talking earlier in the show, that data or access to um, that data may be threatened for people in your position um, with, 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 with privacy, um, privacy initiatives. Facebook, for instance, is going to be allowing users to um, basically erase all, all cookies and erase the uh, pixel data. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that going to affect marketing moving forward? It will. So it's going to
3: affect smaller sites more than larger sites because analytics is not accurate. It's precise. If we've set it up right, it's precise, but it's not going to be accurate. There's always going to be some noise. There have always been people deleting their cookies. There have always been people coming with ad blockers and tracker blockers. Um, I think that's going to continue. Um, All we need is um, a sample size large enough that, number one, we can detect changes. As we make changes to the site, we can see changes in the behavior of a large segment of the audience that isn't Blocking uh, that isn't um, going overboard on privacy. And number two, that we have a large enough sample size that we can statistically predict the future. So we can say we made this change, it improved things, and that sample size is large enough that we expect it to also be working on future visitors, including those visitors that might be coming with some sort of um, uh, detection eradicating strategies. Uh, Ultimately, culturally, I think that, um, the benefits of, um, the benefits of letting companies like Google do things with your data is going to outweigh the uh, perceived downside. And I think the culture is going to outstrip the the protection side of things. Um, and we're actually going to see more and more uh, comfort with um, these companies for better or worse. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but for better or worse, these companies having access to our data and letting people like our customers have access to their data and see where they're going on the website, um, uh, when they're purchasing, what they're purchasing, all of that.
1: Earlier you noted that, uh, two of the major shifts that have happened in the last few years are, um, well, I guess attributable, attributable to more experience at the client end. They've, they're, they're getting more used to the environment. They've seen results. They know what to expect. And in some ways they're, they're, they're knowing what to do. And the, the, the other thing you attributed was, um, availability of data, um, mm-hmm. of data. Given, given those two factors, what should clients do to prepare themselves to have the most suc- successful engagement they can possibly have with, 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 with a marketing agency?
3: Well, so this is a, this is a great example. So you specifically said a marketing agency and um, there are, there are really five very exciting things that data brings to an organization. And they can really start with a line marketer who wants to be a change agent or or just use the data. Um, Number one, when you have some data, it mitigates what we call helicopter executives. So when, uh, for instance, you have a launch of a campaign and it doesn't go as expected, it encourages the helicopter executives to come in and see what's going on and start commenting on the creative and rewriting the copy. And um, I like this color better than that color. And it's a recipe for disaster because the executive team is a small sample size. It's a small group of people. Um, and they aren't customers. Mm -hmm. So when you have data, it allows you to show these executives what's going on and give them a little bit more confidence that a you know what's going on and b there's a conclusion you can come to that's going to reverse that agencies are another one of those things so um, the t- typical development cycle for an agency as you say we'd like these landing pages or we would like to redesign this website first thing they're going to do is come to you with wireframes and as more and more of us start saying whoa whoa whoa, whoa wait a minute why don't you go do some research and instead of asking me which of these designs you think I should go with, why don't you give me the data that tells me which one of those designs, which one of those box-ups, which one of those wireframes is going to perform the best because again the these things are very straightforward to test and, and it's easy to get the data and it's inexpensive um, so that sort of relationship is going to start off a little rocky. We get called by agencies when a client says this and um uh, it opens new revenue streams for the agencies. The other things that data affects is, um, of course, your career. Um, digital is data. And so the better you are with data, the more comfortable you are with the basic tools like Excel, the new tools that are available. Um, everything from hot jar to analytics and some knowledge of statistics so that you are making good decisions. You're going to be more valuable. My favorite though, my favorite advantage of data is that when you have a couple misses, you get behind on your forecast for the year, you stop being creative and you start making safe choices because you've got to catch up. Data allows you to try some of those crazy ideas, some of those crazy ideas that got you into marketing and let you test to see just how crazy they are. They really could revolutionize a campaign or even your entire brand it's very easy to take them out and get some feedback on that um, again, using these tools. So uh, we can put the creativity and the fun back into marketing and and not have to be so safe. And what was the fifth one? The fifth one. Oh, you make more money, you make more revenue, you lower your acquisition costs, you grow your business. I I forgot about that part because I'm excited about all of this
1: okay' looking looking um, down the road a couple of years there's uh and I, I give this, this is a this is asking you to put your predictive hat on so I apologize, but like it's kind of my job of years, <laughs> indeed um, what's exciting what do you see what do you see coming down that is going to change the way we relate to uh to information
3: you know what's on my radar right now is um, artificial intelligence so machine learning um, because I think in the next five years this there's some debate amongst uh, us CROs in the, in the in the marketplace on this so um, I think in the next five years we might pivot to being much more of a personalization service um, and here's kind of how it progresses so right now we uh, do a lot of analysis on a website and um, the best data we can collect is A/B testing. It is double-blind, it's random, it's large sample size, it's in the moments, and and so that really tells us if an idea is going to work and by how much we would expect it to improve the conversion rates, the revenue per visit for an e-commerce site, or the lead generation close rates for a for a lead generation company. Um, and what it'll, well, what we find is that when we go and look under the data, we see, like, take, for instance, let's say an inconclusive test where there was no winner. We go and look, and we find visitors in certain segments loved the new variant, that it would have won if we were only testing on them. Well, so we start to come up with new ideas and new segments. And this becomes a little bit dicey with you when you're A-B testing because if you start um, Optimizing the site for these smaller segments. It takes longer to test. You can't test other things. And so you kind of start to carve up your traffic. Uh, A-B testing starts to become a little bit more difficult. If you could have a machine learning algorithm for the largest sites that could be watching these segments and coming to conclusions about those segments on their own, and then from all your research, be able to dump in your best ideas for how to improve the conversion rates on a website... The machine learning algorithms, um, especially some of these um, evolutionary machine learning algorithms that look like almost like a genetic evolution, will figure out not only which combination to use, but for which segments different combinations apply. Uh, so we never really lose the need to go in and do the analysis, but we have a little bit more efficient way of getting through those ideas and figuring out which ones and which combinations of those things are going to work. So that's pretty exciting to me. Um, And I think there might be an evolution to that. Machine learning has its limitations, and um, some of my compadres would take issue with it, and that's that's absolutely great because... They're all brilliant.
1: Okay, for, for for somebody who's who who's young and just beginning their career, they 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 realize that machine learning is going to you know, change, change the course of their career over time, probably sooner than later. But there isn't a lot of a lot of course material out there that's developed that's been developed yet. What would you advise them do to prepare themselves? That's a great
3: question. And this is this is an issue with CRL because Our ideas can come from anywhere. We uh, get a lot of wins with words. So changing the copy, changing the headlines, changing the captions on an image, changing the words that are in an image, uh, longer form copy, shorter form copy, uh, making it more readable. Those sorts of things um, can really have an impact. Uh, Video is becoming more and more prevalent. So adding video and adding the right kind of video, the right length, the right coverage um, in the content um, is a way So we touch on that. And of course um, we can move things around if we can get the visitor's eyes to the important elements on the page sooner, we would expect to see um, uh, higher um, conversion rates. Mm -hmm. So we kind of touch on everything, layout, UX, social proof, um, credibility and authority from the design, all of these things come into effect. So there's, there's, not necessarily one place to plug in and my recommendation is to marketers is this plug in where you can get a toehold so if you're a marketer and you're responsible for the video side of things that's what you know that's a great place for you to get a toehold. So uh, ask the right, question. We're
1: gonna get played out, man. I am so, so, oh, I'm sorry. so much more we could talk about, but uh, studio is uh, pretty hard on the concept of the tyranny of time.
3: Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize we were coming up on the end. I wouldn't uh, talk so much.
1: Another show coming up right behind us. I got to get in. You were going to be on stage um, on the same stage as Tim Ash at uh, digital growth coming up June 17th to 18th, formerly conversion conference. Yes. Um, when is LPO going to be going to be airing on webmaster radio? It already is. Go and check it out. Okay, what days can people listen live or listen in?
3: Uh, actually, it's all recorded, so um, there's not a live session.
1: You know, check it out on the Webmaster Radio site or, like with Webcology, get it at, at, at your favorite podcasting distribution outlet near you. Friends, we've gone full circle. This is the, the, the end of the show. On behalf of Christine Chackinger from Site Without Walls, this is Jim Hedge from Dittorius Media, and uh, uh, thank you Big thanks to Brian Maskey of Conversion Sciences and new host of uh, the Page Optimization. Stick around, webmasterradio.fm. Great content coming up after the news. We'll be back next week. Stay safe. We'll talk to you later.
0: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of Webmaster Radio.fm is prohibited.